theyeshiva.net. The main point, the sum, summary of what we learned yesterday was that the Chiddush, the innovative contribution of Yutas Kislev is the reality, the mission statement, the calling of Yafutsu Maynesecha Chutsu. And Yafutsu Maynesecha Chutsu, spreading your wellsprings outward, as Mashiach told the Balshamtov, is referring, of course, to Torah, the Neshama of Torah, the Pnimius of Torah, the Mayanas, the wellsprings of Torah. It also refers to the Jew, to the people, because the Jews, the Jewish people, are interconnected with Torah. So when there's a Chiddush in Torah, there's a Chiddush in a Jew. A real Chiddush in Torah creates that same Chiddush in the Jewish soul, in the Jewish psyche. And, and conversely, a real Chiddush, a real inner transformation, revolution in the Jewish soul is reflected in Torah. They mirror each other because Yisrael v'ayraisa kulachad. Yisrael and the Jewish people are one. And the same is true with Yutas Kislev. That before Yutas Kislev, he says, what was more revealed, what was more expressed, what was more manifested was primarily what we call the nigla of Torah. The concrete, the concrete part of Torah in terms of halacha, the background of halacha, the understanding of halacha in all of its endless breadth and depth, because you could spend not one lifetime, but eternity learning that. And that's called in Zohar, the guf it's like the guf. Yutas Kislev, there was this heavenly permission, as explained in the previous year. The Balatanya was exonerated not only on earth, but in heaven. A license and an empowerment and a shlichus that now the pnimius of Torah could come out in the most revealed and actualized fashion. Because usually when we have the goof, the body, the body is concrete and tangible. The soul is intangible, it's transcendent. Even if we know it exists, we never capture its essence, only its reality. We give the metaphor of electricity. So what happens, Yutes Kislev is, that even that Nakuda, like the Neshama Daraisa, the Pnimi Yisotera, was, was uh, revealed that it can be manifested, a person can live with it, a person can grasp it, even with their limited mind, of course, to a certain degree, and live with it, and breathe it, and emote with it, and, and, and spread it forth, share it with others, and flood, ultimately, the world with it, which is the preparation for the Gula, when it says, the world will be filled with divine awareness. It's interesting, the Rambam, at the end of Hilchas Melachim, when he describes the time of the Mashiach, this is the last halacha in the whole Rambam, in the whole Mishnah Torah. So he says, What is the whole world going to do when Mashiach comes? What are they going to be doing? He says, there won't be, there won't be hunger. There won't be war. There won't be jealousy. There won't be negative competitiveness. The goodness, for goodness will be abundant. All the delicacies will be as common as dust. The entire world, not only the Jewish people, he speaks about all of humanity, and maybe he even means the whole world, <laughs> all the creatures of the world. It's going to be to know God, divine awareness, divine connection. Das, we know, is which is a euphemism for deep intimacy. This Chiddush in Torah, that the Neshama of Torah can come out and we can experience it. It happens not only in Torah, it first happens in the Jew. In the relationship of the Neshama and the Guf, there's two states of consciousness. Sometimes the two are completely separated from each other. One has no relationship with their soul. That we're not mentioning here, because he's talking here about the development of Yiddishkeit. There are two states of consciousness in the development of Yiddishkeit. And in Yiddishkeit, there's a relationship between the soul and the body. But the first level of the relationship, the first state of consciousness is that the soul rules the body. The body listens to the soul. The body is subservient to the soul. The body recognizes that it must, body recognizes that it must be under the authority and dominion of the soul. The second state of consciousness is that there is synchronization. There is unity. In the first state, the body still experiences itself as an autonomous, independent reality. However, for whatever reason, it recognizes the superiority of the soul, and therefore it obeys it. In the second state of consciousness, there's no conflict. The soul is so revealed that the body experiences itself merely as a conduit for the neshama. 
just like it's true in the biological life of a human being. That it's not like the brain has to command all the limbs and say, okay, I want you to do this. And the limbs say, no, I have another agenda. But you know what? I'm going to obey my brain. That's not a healthy person. The relationship between the nefesh achiyunis, the biological electricity and consciousness of a person, and the physical body is one where they are unified. They are integrated to the point that the body is just a conduit for the, to facilitate the brain and the mind and, 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 and life and the forces of life, the energy of life. The same is true. So this is the relationship between the body and the nefesh achiyunis, the body and the biological soul, the animal soul. The same is true with the godly soul that a Jew recognizes that there's no split. There's a neshama in one world, and there's a guf in another world. The neshama is spiritual, and the guf is physical. And the question is, is there a relationship between them? It's a much deeper consciousness, and that is there's oneness, there's absolute harmony. The neshama is looking for dveikas. The neshama wants intimacy with infinity. But how can the will of Hashem be experienced and facilitated in this world? How can I give tzedakah if I don't have a guf? If I don't have a body, how can I put on tefillin? How can I wear tzitzis? How can I knead dough and make challah? How can I do any of the mitzvahs or most of the mitzvahs if I don't have a guf? So the body is the one that serves as the conduit to fulfill the will of Hashem here in this world. So the whole Jew is a mishkan, the Jew is a beis hamikdash, the neshama and the guf. The guf is a conduit, v'shechanti b'soicham. It's not that there's an independent reality called the guf, which is physical, which is sometimes filthy, which is dirty, which is uh, undesirable, which is unworthy, which is the source of all problems. That's a more limited perception. In a grander and deeper consciousness, when the neshama is more revealed, the guf experiences itself as part of it. It's all part of infinity. It's all part of divine oneness. The guf is the base hamikdash. It's the dwelling place where the godly energy flow. The godly energy flows through. And as we discussed, two models in marriage. There's the model of marriage where the husband and the wife essentially are separate beings, but they understand that for the sake of peace, it's important to listen to each other and follow each other and, and obey each other and fulfill the other person's requests. A deeper level of marriage is how the Gemara describes Mashakansa Isha, Kanabaila, that what the woman acquires automatically the husband acquires because there's a oneness. What is his is hers, and what is hers is therefore his. It's not that she agrees that she wants to submit it. It's automatically, it's one larger organism. The Zayar says a husband and a wife are two halves of one. But that can only come with complete trust. If one person is being exploited by the other, that's not oneness. That's a form of abuse. That's a disrespect. It's never about exploitation. I use your vulnerability, you surrender to me, and I use your vulnerability to control you. That's not what we're talking about. That's exploitation. Only when there's an absolute trust, when a woman feels that the husband is completely there for her, there's absolute trust. He is the ultimate nurturer and giver. Then there could be that level of submission on both sides. I truly trust you. You truly trust me. And even though we're two people and we're supposed to to be two people and separate personalities and each one brings in their own unique personality into the marriage, but there's an akuda of absolute harmony because there is such deep trust and loyalty. Hashem and the Jewish people are like the man and the woman. So there's a state of consciousness where for Shalom Bayis I say, okay, listen, God, I want Shalom Bayis, I'm going to do what you want. A deeper level is Masha It's not that I agree, it's automatic. What is mine, what the Isha is kind of is, the Baal is kind of. In other words, a person experiences that everything I'm experiencing in my body is just divine. It's part of my relationship with the divine. It's in order that the Ain Saif should be manifested in the physical world. You need a body. The body is the Beis HaMikdash of Hashem. The body is the channel and the conduit through which the Shekhinah is revealed in the world. There's no conflict, there's no dichotomy between the spiritual and the physical. It's just two aspects of divine revelation. There's divine revelation through the Ruchnis of the Neshama, and there's divine revelation that comes through the Guf. And even if a person doesn't operate on that deep consciousness of the the husband-wife relationship, he said even the master-servant relationship is similar to that. What the Evet acquires is the rabbis, his master acquires. Sivov. Beis madregas anal baifin gilia neshama. Aleph. Shanasham merak shelatas ala guf. Beis. Shaguf eni metzies latzmei klal. Him behesem lebeis efanei havei da aleph kol masach aliyu l'shem shemayim. Beis bechol drachechadei. These two states of how a neshama is revealed and how deep 
how deeply it's revealed. Because as I said yesterday, this all depends on how much the neshama is revealed. It's not just about the goof, it's about the neshama. It's not just about the chassid, it's about the rebbe. It's not just about the wife, it's about the husband. It's not how much the wife becomes one with the husband. It's how much the husband is one with the wife. It works both ways. It's a two-way street. For there to be oneness, the reason that my arm, my hand doesn't have a conflict with my brain, because my brain is not exploiting my arm. My brain is completely one with every organ of the body. There's the central nervous system that integrates the entire body. It's one organism. It's not like there's competition. So if I have a piece of food in my right arm and I want to put it in my mouth, I'm going to go, no, 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 this is mine. This doesn't go into the mouth. Sorry, we have to negotiate. We'll make a peace treaty. You give up something of the mouth and I'll give up something of the arm. Yeah, that's called a person who's completely ill, chas v'shalom, that the hand can't connect to the mouth. The hand can't put the food into the mouth. We know what it's called. It's called an illness. It's called paralysis, rahman al-Islam. In a healthy person, it's one organism. Every limb facilitates it in a different way. In, in, in this deeper consciousness of Yiddishkeit, it's Einoid Movadai. Everything is divine. But for this, you have to appreciate that what Hashem is. In other words, Hashem is not something in heaven trying to reward you or punish you. It's completely one. There's complete oneness, harmony. Because the love is infinite and the love is absolute. And therefore, there's nothing that can come in between us, just like in a marriage. When the wife could feel and the husband can feel that real trust, that tremendous trust to each other, the loyalty, the dedication. People say Neman is Neman is loyalty, Getraishaft, Neman is faithful, right? He says, says yeah, Getrai, Neman Bagloipt, and he said, the Erenskite. The Erenskite is the sincerity, the seriousness. There's no cynicism in the relationship. You know what cynicism is? Cynicism is a form of alienation. Cynicism is, I'm not going to be a player, I'm going to be a spectator. Cynicism is, I stand on the side and I want to see who's winning and then I'll join. Cynicism is, I'm not inside because I can't trust. I don't want to get hurt. You understand? Why are people cynical? They're cynical because they're afraid of being backstabbed. So I sit on the sidelines and I sit, I eat potato chips or I eat some french fries with ketchup, you know, and I make a remark. So the, some people, some, our whole lives are that way. You know, we, we stay outside. It's a very protective place. And, and I, we understand why. It's retreating into a safe place because of fear or because of pain or because of disappointment. So then I can't have this unity. This unity must come from trust. The goof has to be able to feel that the neshama is not here to exploit it, that we're all mamish one. The neshama when the neshama is revealed, when the nefesh alakis is revealed, when alakus is revealed, nefesh alakis is alakus, the, the hergish of Einoid Movade, of achtos Hashem, of oneness of Hashem, then the guf says, of course, th- there's no resistance. Because then I feel who I really am. What is the real mohus of the guf? The mohus of the guf, the essence of the guf is, like he said, a besamiktash for Hashem. It's not a separate reality that somehow being manipulated to do Jewish things, or being impressed, or being forced, or even being persuaded. That's one state of consciousness. There is that state of consciousness, and we all go through that mode, just like in marriages, you go through that state as well. And it's an important thing. Don't be a mavatl. <laughs> Keeps you away from trouble, as I said in the previous year. But in the deeper state, when the, when the neshama comes out, when there's a deeper gili of the neshama, a deeper gili of a lakus, so then the I assumes a much deeper identity, a much safer identity, an expansive identity, where it becomes part of the divine eye. These two states are expressed in two concise statements we have about Avedis Hashem. One statement comes from Pirkeiavus, Pedic Beis Mishnah Yid Beis, as he says in footnote 31. The second statement comes from Mishle, Proverbs, Shleim HaMelech Perek Gimel, the third chapter. The first statement in Pirkeiavus is, Kol Ma'asech HaYiyu L'Shem Shamayim. All your deeds should be for the sake of heaven. The second statement, In all your ways, you should know him. So usually we assume that it's saying more or less the same thing. All your deeds should be for L'shem Shemaim, for Hashem. Whatever you're doing, whether you're eating, or you're sleeping, or you're drinking, or you're making money, or you're hiking, or you're going to the gym to exercise, or your personal trainer is coming to you, or you're going for a treatment by the chiropractor, or you're having a hot coffee in the morning, L'chaim, 
you're going on vacation, you're going into the office, you're going to the cleaners, you're going to take a haircut, you're going out with the family, you're going to take a walk in the park. That's one statement. Another statement in Mishlei, in all your ways you should know him. In all your pathways, every path of life, you should get to know him. But here's an interesting thing. These two statements are brought lahalacha in Rambam Hilchas Day is paid a gimel. They're also brought in Tur and Shulchan Aruch I think Reish Lamed Aleph. What, which one should they bring first? Not logically. First you bring a pasuk, then you bring a mishnah. First bechol rechecha de'eyu, then kol masach l'shem shamayim. But both of them, the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch and the Tur, all three, reverse the order. First kol masach l'shem shamayim, and then bechol rechecha de'eyu. So the Rebbe explains, because these are the two states of consciousness. It's step one and step two. And each one is awesome. Each one is gewaldic. Each one is a tremendous step of spiritual and personal growth. But it's two states of spiritual consciousness. Because there is a difference between these two states of Avaida. means that there is a purpose, there is meaning that pervades all of my activities in life. The kavana in ma'asecha, in your deeds, in your actions, in your activities, in your involvements, should be ultimately focused on truth, on ultimate purpose, on L'shem Shemaim, to serve Hashem. But the actions themselves are called ma'asecha. They're your actions, meaning they're mundane, they're earthy, they're bodily, they're ma'asecha. The purpose, there should be a deeper purpose, L'shem Shemaim. In all your ways you should know Him. What does it mean in all your ways you should know Him? Wherever you're going, every pathway in life can ultimately allow you an opportunity to have a deeper relationship with Him. You can discover God and truth in every aspect of your life. In every move you make, in every breath you take, and every pathway you tread. It's not, you should have a purpose that through this, you will come to the Eihu. No. In all your ways, in your drachecha da'eyu, through them, them, through them, they are only an opportunity for the Hisgalus of Achdus Hashem. It's all part of Einoid Mulvand. What does this mean? One could say that the way to connect to God is through Torah and mitzvahs, exclusively. In other words, through Kedusha, through things that are holy. A Jew learns Torah, da'eyu, he knows Hashem. A Jew does a mitzvah, he connects to Hashem. Yeah, emes. As he says in footnote 44, Torah is God's wisdom, God's revealed wisdom, and mitzvahs are his will. And Hashem is one with his will and his wisdom, and therefore... And you grasp his will with the mitzvah, and you grasp his wisdom with Torah, you kivayachal grasp him. So da'eyu, you know Hashem, or you connect to Hashem. Remember das, what's da'eyu? We said Adam yada eschava. Adam nu chava, and she gave birth. Yada is a form of intimacy, oneness, connection. So you would say, how do you come to das, to the experience, to the oneness with the Rebbeinah Shalalam? Only through learning Torah and observing mitzvahs. And that's of course true. 
but you're going to tell me that when I'm eating, when I'm drinking, when I'm engaged in business affairs, when I'm engaged in any other pursuit in life, he goes through the whole list that the Rambam lists in Hilchas Day is Perik Hey. A list of ten things the Rambam discusses there. A person is walking, a person is getting dressed or dressed, a person is engaged in physical intimacy in their marriage, a person is involved with their health. Whatever a person is involved in, in life, that's not directly Torah and mitzvahs. Sometimes I'm doing a mitzvah, I'm putting on tefillin, I'm giving tzedakah, I'm learning Torah. So I'm not doing that. This, there's a lot more, there's a lot more in a person's day. Whatever that is, recreational, uh, business related, money related, family related, personal related, yeah. emotionally, practically, psychologically, what does that have to do with God? Comes the Torah and says, Everything is divine energy. God's love in, and infinity embraces all aspects of your life. You're a Beis HaMikdash. Every aspect is just a revelation of the Shekhinah. Through every single thing in life you can discover Hashem and discover a deeper relationship with Hashem. In other words, there's nothing outside of the reality of oneness. It's not like Kedusha is in heaven and here is the real world and then once in a while I struggle and I say, okay, let's now be a little holy. No, you're missing, you're missing the boat. Sometimes I'm in that state. Sometimes there's conflict. Sometimes there is deeper conflict. Sometimes I really reach a place of kol masach, Hashem shamayim. But kol means there's no conflict. There's no conflict. Godliness is everything. Godliness is revealed everywhere in every blade of grass, in every deer that's running around on J. Court and Munsir in my forests here, in every raccoon and in every groundhog, in every tree and in every bush, in every shrub and in every vegetable, in every fruit and in every droplet of rain, in every snowflake and in every grain of sand, in every heartbeat and in every blood cell, in every atom and in every neutron, in every star and in every galaxy. The Balatanya writes in Shara Yichud Vemunah chapter 3, If we would have microscopic spiritual eyes, we would look at the physical and what would we see? We would see divine energy. It's just my eyes detect the physical matter. If you have more developed instruments, you don't just see physical matter, you see a whole world of atoms that are moving about within matter. If you would have even more refined instruments, and those are the instruments of Chsidus, the microscopic instruments of the Balshemtiv, which is really the microscopic instruments of Torah, Pnimiyas Torah. What do you see? You see, it's all spiritual energy. Your body is not a grabe behema. Even a grabe behema is not a grabe behema. The hest, even a grabe behema is not a grabe behema. It's also Dvar Hashem. Certainly, your goof. It's an expression in Zoyar. Goof for the Lohin Kadisha. A goof is a Helikazach. The Balatanya, the Alter once said, I'm quoting, Men hadgar kein hasogenisht, vitayeres is by Hashem yizborech de gufun ayidin. Nobody can ever comprehend how precious by Hashem is the guf of a Jew. I remember once I was at a fabrengen of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, I think it was 87. I was a bachir, a pretty young yeshiva boy. And the Rebbe told over us something he heard from his father-in-law, and he started to cry when he said it. He said that he heard from his father-in-law that his, his father-in-law, the Rebbe Rayatz, that his father, the Rebbe Rashab, once opened the sleeve of his shirt. He pulled up the sleeve of his shirt so that the skin, the skin, the epidermis of his hand was exposed. And he said he pointed to his son. He pointed, he pointed to his hand, to the skin. He touched the skin and he pointed to it and he told his son, he called him by his name, Yosef Yitzchak, and he said, Zeh, Zeh, Vitayer Aguf is. See how precious a Guf is. To Libdem, Hatter Eberster, Arezgegossen, Azoifel Teirah Mitzvahs. For this Guf, Hashem poured out so much of Teirah Mitzvahs. Because so much of Teirah Mitzvahs is about how the Guf, how the body should be or should not be. What it should eat, what it should not eat, what it should engage in, what it should not engage in. Yeah. And when you understand what Torah is, Torah is Chachmasish Lekadosh Baruch Hu. So he says, appreciate what this is. It's not a grabe behemah. And as I told you, a grabe behemah is also not a grabe behemah. It's also a, 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 a gili of Dvar Hashem. So Bechod Rechecha De'eyu means stop the conflict. Every single one of your derachim, every single one of your pathways is just another opportunity to discover Elikus. 
There's discovering a lakus in every finger, in every fiber of your being, in every bone, in every tissue. Of course, in every gene, in every cell, in every neuron, in every nerve, there's a lakus. You can discover Hashem that you can get to know God from anything you're involved in in life, including from a peach, or from an egg, or from a plum, or from a grape, or from a cup of water. So when you make a bracha, as we spoke in the women's shir about the Gid Hanasha with divine providence, everything came into existence through his words. The cup of water is also Niya Bidvare. I study a cup of water and I could see a lakus. And I could connect. There's no conflict. Everything in life is part of infinite goodness and love and oneness. That's Bechol Rechechadeyu. It's two states. Kol Masachel Hashem Shamayim is also powerful. Kol Masachel Hashem Shamayim means Mr. Mensch. This focus, this purpose in your life. I'm involved in something. I'm not just involved in my work for, you know, people are workaholics. They sit in the office 18 hours a day, at least pre-corona. And you ask, why, what? There's a purpose. I want to make money, so I should be able to bring home money to my family. I don't get obsessed with the money. I need a car. Yes, I need a car because I have to transport my children to school, especially if you're in Muncie. They can't walk on their own. I need a car to be able to function day to day. But you don't get obsessed in the car. You don't get obsessed in your watch. You don't get obsessed in your suit. You don't get obsessed in the office. You don't get obsessed in your money. You don't lose focus. That's called Masachel Hashem Shemaim. It's a pretty big deal. Much of the literature of Musr, Hashkafa, Machshava, and already Chazal and Tanakh explained to us, life should be meaningful. That a person is a meaningful creature. And what's the ultimate purpose? The ultimate purpose is to serve Hashem. What does that mean as he says? I eat, and the intention of eating is, not just eating because I'm a glutton, or even just I'm hungry, but rather the energy of the food is going to help me learn and daven. That's called Masach L'Shem Shemayim. Bechod is deeper than that. It's not that the eating is L'Shem Shemayim. It's understanding that every physical experience itself is a conduit for Kedusha. The eating itself, it's not just, I'll eat, I'll have energy, I won't be starving, so then I could go and sit down learning about Gemara. That's Meiridik, Kol Masachel Shem Shemayim. Bechod means the Achila itself. He gives that example of eating because that's such a, uh, a prominent and common activity in a person's life. That itself becomes a mitzvah. That itself becomes a conduit for godly revelation. For example, you're sitting at a Sudas mitzvah. The Sudas mitzvah, the partaking in the feast is a mitzvah, it's a connection to Hashem. The meals of Shabbos, Achilles Shabbos. The food itself is a mitzvah. Achilles Kachim, when in the Beis HaMikdash you would eat a carbon. That itself, you were fulfilling a mitzvah, just like you're doing a mitzvah of putting on tefillin, or giving tzedakah, or learning Torah. They themselves are a mitzvah. Now, take a look in footnote 35 star. You see 35 star. Re'ei al it's a, it's a pretty long footnote. I'm in a few lines. It's a fascinating Pirkei de Fascinating. It says in Parshas told us, Vayizra Yitzchak. Yitzchak sowed, he planted, he planted grain. And Hashem blessed him, and he found Meir Sha'arim. There was a lot of abundance of produce. Says the Pirkei Rebelezer, that's one of the earliest Madrashim, it comes from Rebelezer Hagadl, that's the teacher of Rabbi Akiva. You're talking here before the destruction, the end of the era of the second base Hamikdash, right after. Pirkei de Rebelezer, chapter of Rebelezer. So he asks, and these are the words, V'chiyitzchak zara dagan chas Yitzchak planted grain. Chas He didn't plant grain. Zorat He planted charity. Meaning, what the Pirkei Rebelezer is saying is, that he planted the grain, and then when the grain grew, he gave meiser. It says he gave meiser. And because he gave meiser, he tithed, he tithed to the poor. So this was tzedakah. So the Batner says, You think, heaven forbid, Yitzchak sowed grain? No, Zorat tzedakah. He planted tzedakah. So the Rebbe, when he said, the, when he spoke about this, Shabbos Vayishlach, Tavshin Chafei, Yutas Kislev, Tavshin Chafei, printed in Lekutah Sichas Chelekei. What's the chas v'shalom? Yitzchak is not allowed to plant grain? I don't understand. 
Adam was put in the garden to toil the garden. And Noyach planted a vineyard. And Avram Avinu dug wells. And Avram Avinu planted a tree in Beershava. And Yitzchak Avinu dug wells. You're not allowed to plant grain? Planting grain became a Aveda? What is this? I don't understand. Hashem told Adam to work. There's a Pasuk. Six years, you come into Israel. Six years, you sow your field. And six years, you prune your vineyard. And you gather the grain. And then on the seventh year, is Shabbos, Shemitah. We say every morning in Kriya Shema and in the evening. You said it this morning, right? I will give you rain. Planting grain is prohibited? I don't understand. And if my children need bread, so I plant wheat, I plant barley, I plant, I plant spelt, oats, rye. What's chas v'shalom? It's as though planting grain became a new Easter in Torah. Interesting, no? Interesting question. Chas v'shalom. What's the chas v'shalom? What's supposed to for Yitzchak? And what is the mother? That's one diuk. But now let's try to understand the main question. But here's the real question. What does the pick of the blessing mean? It says in Torah that Yitzchak planted and God blessed him and it grew. So the man says, no, 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 he didn't plant grain. He planted tzedakah. Really? How do you plant tzedakah? He took a tzedakah pushka and he planted it? He took dollars and he planted it? What did he do? They say an old joke that there was a very wealthy man, very wealthy man, and he was about to die. So he called in some of his friends. It was a, it's one of these jokes. It's a priest and a doctor and a Jewish lawyer. And he said, listen, I don't want to part from my money even after I die. I'm giving you each, I'm giving you each $25,000 in cash. You could take $5,000 for yourself, but $20,000 you put in the grave after I get buried. I want to have my money. Okay, what do they care? At least they're getting 5,000 grand, $5,000. Okay, the guy dies, there's a funeral, the priest comes, the doctor comes, the lawyer comes, and afterwards they go out for coffee. So they're discussing. So, you know, the doctor turns to the priest, he said, did you follow the last will and testament? He says, of course, what am I going to lie to God? I promised him, of course. I took $5,000 and I put $20,000 into the grave. Wow, it's cash. What about you, doctor? Of course, I'm, I'm a faithful person. I took $5,000 and I put the $20,000 cash into the grave. They turned to the Jewish lawyer, what about you? He says, listen, I saw how much it meant to him to have the money. I decided that he deserves to have the whole $25,000 there. The whole. I didn't want to take 5000 for myself. I wanted to give him all the money. So what did I do? I took the cash. I wrote a check for $25,000 and I put it in the grave. What does it mean? What does it mean to plant tzedakah? How do you plant tzedakah? You put money into into the earth. When it grows, money grows. You put a check into the earth. It's not growing, and nobody is cashing it. What pshat? So he says, "Azar, listen to this." It doesn't mean that Yitzchak didn't sow grain. Of course he did. The Gemara says in Shabbos Gimel, we don't extricate the Pasuk from its literal meaning. It says it, Chumash that Yitzchak sowed grain. He sowed grain. We're not arguing. Pekin the Blessed doesn't have a problem with that. It says in Chumash. We're not arguing with Chumash. It means that Rechem is telling you the pnimius of it. When he sowed grain, what was his objective? So that he should be able to fill his stomach up with carbs? Chas v'shalem. No. That he should even just eat? No. His objective was to bring goodness into the world. He wanted to give tzedakah. So when he was planting grain, he wasn't planting grain, he was planting tzedakah. That's b'chol It's not, he planted grain, but he thought, you know what, I have to pay taxes to God, so I should get ganeden. That's the first level. <laughs> By Yitzchak Avinu, that was the dogon, there was no dogon, there was tzedakah. How do you give tzedakah without dogon? Tell me, how do I give tzedakah if I don't have a hand? How do I give tzedakah if I don't have money? How do I give tzedakah if I don't have grain? So it's not grain, it's tzedakah, it's an opportunity to give tzedakah. The Neshama wants Dveikas with Ein Saif. That's it. 
How do we give? I want to give stucca in the world. That's how I reveal God in this world. How do I do it? You need grain. So the grain is not grain. The grain is just a hechitimtza. It's a conduit through which the mitzvah of stucca can be facilitated. The food is not food. The food is a conduit through which godliness is also revealed. Through which the body is nurtured, which is also a form of godliness. And the Medrash says, Chas v'sholem. Why Chas v'sholem? Because ha'avis heinein ha'merkava. The Ovis, they were a chariot, a Merkava. What's a Merkava? Merkava is a chariot. Like a car, like a horse, like a wagon. We spoke many times about a Merkava. It's not that you get into your car and the car says, listen, really I want to go to Borough Park, but if you want to go to Munsell, if you want to go to Manhattan, I'll take you to Manhattan. Such a car you take to the mechanic. The car doesn't have an agenda. The car says, I'm here for you. You get on your horse. The horse says, listen, Rabbi said, I have an agenda. Really, I want to go eat Shalom today. And I have a Kiddush, and I have a Bris, and I have a Shavros. You really want to go riding here? I'll take you. No, a good horse. And if you have, those of you who know about horse riding know about the kinship between the horse and the horse rider. Some of you can talk about this better than I. The horse says, Hineni, I'm here. You get on the horse, we go. In other words, the identity of the horse, a real horse, sees itself as a horse for the master. There was no conflict. The others, their whole mitzvah, their whole identity was what? A conduit for divinity, for Ein Saif. So the Badr says, For Yitzchak, it's chas v'shalom. Yitzchak is involved in dogon. Yitzchak is Ein Saif. Yitzchak is this galus of Ein Saif in the world. Ah, Zorat Tzedakah. Yitzchak reveals Tzedakah in the world. How do you have Tzedakah? You have Tzedakah through dogon. Now this comes from real trust. This comes from real trust that God loves you infinitely and that you are not separate. You're never separate. You're always one with the ultimate truth of everything. You're completely one. There's no conflict. In our perspective of tzimtzum, in our perceptiveness of restrictions, we create dichotomies. But that's just because the doors of our perception are not cleansed. But if the doors of perception would be cleansed, everything would appear as is an aspect of divine infinity and love. There's a beautiful pshat I once saw in the mission. It says in Prekayavis, Amr Rabbi Yaakov, HaMahalach B'derech V'shayinu Mavsik B'mishnasi V'aymer Manoi Ilon Zem Anon Nir Zem Maylo V'kosav Kilo Meschayev B'nafsha If somebody is traveling and on the road they're learning and then they stop their learning, they interrupt their learning and they say, this is a beautiful tree, this is a beautiful landscape. The person is endangering their life. And the Mepharshim say, why? The person is learning. Even though they stopped learning, but they didn't stop learning to do something destructive. They stopped learning in order to extol the beauty of the tree, of the landscape. In other words, to praise Hashem. We say every morning in davening, Marabu ma'asecha Hashem, kulum b'chach ma'asisa. Many of the chapters in Tehillim that we say in the morning, Hallelujah, Hashem, ba'marayimim, shemesh, yareach. Right? Eish, Barat, Shalak, Kita, Ruach, Sahara, Harim, Gvoyas, Hpri, Vikalama, Chaya, Vikal Bahima. David Amalek was doing this constantly. In fact, there are brachas, there are blessings that Chazal instituted in Mesech's brachas for different phenomena of nature. When you observe them, you make blessings. So if somebody is learning and walking and then they see this mountain or they see the Yam Hagadal or they see a certain type of animal or they see another phenomenon of nature and sometimes they have to stop to make a bracha. L'chayra. Certainly, even if they don't have to, but why Meshayev ben Why are they endangering their life? The pshat is, it's one word in the Mishnah. A person is learning. He interrupts his learning and he says, this tree is beautiful. The problem with this person is, he believes that to celebrate the beauty of the tree, he has to interrupt his learning. He doesn't see it as a continuum of Torah. Torah exists in the base Medrash, and in the real world, you have trees and you have landscapes. It's all Torah. Torah is the blueprint of the universe. The Zohar says, You don't have to interrupt your Torah to be able to appreciate the tree. It's a continuum of Torah. It's the way Torah is manifested in the concrete world. It's not two separate worlds. So, This person, soul at this moment, feels that it's cut off from divinity. You're never cut off. Everything is an opportunity for Avodah Hashem. You look at the grain, what do you see? You don't see grain, you see tzedakah. You don't just see a physical body, physical manner, you just see a conduit for divinity, for spirituality. That's the preciousness and the dignity with which you have to hold your body and your soul and your existence and everything you're involved in. That's b'chol d'rechechadeyu. 
kshurim otluim bebeizam adregus shel isgalus hanashama. These two states in Yiddishkeit are really two states of consciousness that are dependent how deeply the neshama of a person is manifested and revealed in their life. When a person's soul is revealed in a way that it's felt to some degree, but you can't say that it's completely revealed to the point that the guf can really appreciate that its entire entity, its entire identity is just a conduit for the soul. Sometimes a person is aware that there is a truth of Ruchnias, Hashem exists, there's an Hashemah deep inside. But the guf says, okay, I get it. But I experience myself as an autonomous reality. And it's not about words, it's about experience, it's about what, what is my inner perception. So then the guf says, okay, I'm ready to submit. I'm ready to be subservient. That's the L'shem Shamayim. In other words, there is, there is, there is physicality. There is Masecha, there's your activities, there's your life. It's just, I'm ready to take my activities and submit them or surrender them to Shamayim, to the Neshama. So therefore, it's a tremendous, tremendous state and, and stat and, and spiritual level in life. That everything I'm involved in is l'shem shemayim. Back to our marriage marshal. The husband is really committed that kol masecha is l'shem shemayim. And the wife is committed kol masecha l'shem shemayim. And in the metaphor of the marriage, there is, there is loyalty, there is dedication. And I realize if this is something that means a lot to my spouse, yeah, for the sake of harmony and peace, I decide I want to do it. And the other party also decides the same way. And this may be something that pervades them constantly. Even if they make a mistake, and everybody makes mistakes, you apologize, and you get back into repair, and you come back, hopefully even stronger. But that's all in the model of Yiddishkeit, where there's two separate entities. Elamai, I'm ready to submit one for the other. In the deeper place, when the neshama is truly revealed, the goof sees itself as a conduit. Just like my pinky doesn't see itself in competition to the brain. It would be, you know what, I'm going to listen to the brain. The brain said I should go like this. I'll do it for shalom bias. That's not the vart. There's absolute oneness. This is just the facilitator of the brain. There's one organism. It's one collective entity. The same is true in Yiddishkeit. Einoid Movade means there is oneness. The soul and the goof, it's all ain't soif. It's all a manifestation of Hashem in the world. You are a Beis Hamikdash. There's no two separate realities. There's no conflict here. It's not even the goof is going to submit to the neshama. The goof doesn't have to submit. The goof is the neshama. The neshama is the goof. The neshama accesses the Ein Saif through the neshama, and the goof accesses the Ein Saif through grain. Yitzchak is not sowing grain. He's sowing tzedakah. Yitzchak is dveikas. Everything is dveikas. You never go away from dveikas. You never go away from dveikas. You're never not intimate with Hashem. You're always in a state of dveikas. Even when you're going through something, you're also in a state of dveikas. The dveikas is being expressed through this channel. Now it's this avoida. The dveikas now is being expressed that we have to go pick the, we have to go harvest the cotton. Now we gotta go harvest the grain. It's still dveikas. Dagon. Chas v'shalem. We come to Yitzchak Dagon. Yitzchak is not Dagon. Yitzchak is ain't safe. What does Yitzchak have with Dagon? Yitzchak doesn't have with Dagon. Yitzchak has with Dagon. Ah, Yitzchak is sowing grain, of course. What is the Dagan? The Dagan is Dvan Hashem. The Dagan is divine energy. And how is the divine energy of the Dagan expressed? In the realization that the world is one. So if I have Dagan, I want to share it with somebody who needs it. That's what Tzedakah is. Tzedakah is the recognition of oneness, achtos. That's what love is. So who am I? I'm an ambassador of love and light and hope and healing. I'm an ambassador of Hashem in the world. Which part of me? All of me. I'm always in a state of dveikas. 
You're always in a state of oneness. I am going through, now I'm in a bad mood, now I'm going through this, now I have a challenge, now the car broke down, I have to run to the bank, I have to run to the lawyer, this one has to run to the doctor's office, I have to go through this, I have an appointment here, I didn't do this, I failed my exam, yeah, this stopped working. Okay, what's, what's Duggan? It's not Duggan. It's all one. It's the way Hashem wants you to serve Him right now. <laughs> right now, you're serving Him by, by, by going to the mechanic. It's also the Eyo. It's also the Eyo. If you learn how to fix a car, you learn a lot about godliness. <laughs> There's no Nikuda that you can't learn from. Everything is, is, is Achdus Hashem. Everything. You don't have to interrupt Torah in order to be able to look at the tree. Don't cut yourself off from Dvekas. Now you'll say, who are you talking to? Where, where, you, you live by this? No. Well, you know, we all fluctuate. We live in different perceptions. But when you learn this, and you live with it, you breathe it in, you think about it, you daven with it, you meditate on it, and you practice it, so that every person has a shaykhist to this. This is the chiddush of Yutas Kislev, that the neshama, the pnimiyas, the mayonas could come out, the neshama could come out. So when the neshama is revealed, when the neshama is revealed, the goof says, I'm not your competition. We, we're one. When you dehair the beauty, the truth of Enoid Movadi, there's no competition anymore. When the husband and the wife recognize the oneness of the other person, we're not separate. It's not like, okay, now I'll do this for you. There's a complete, complete trust and a complete dedication and a complete loyalty. Mashakana ishakana baila. But for this, I have to be able to feel your presence. You hear what I'm saying? For this, I have to be able to feel your presence. If I can't feel your presence, I can't do this because then I'm going to feel dejected. You know, we did this marriage thing on Sunday, so this thing came up. You know, women were saying, you know, I give and 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 I'm just being exploited and abused. And, and it's a very difficult challenge because what's the difference between giving and being exploited? And the answer, of course, is... <laughs> If there is a oneness, if there is a trust here, if there is a trust, I'm giving, I'm giving and giving, but there is a there is a, there is a deep kinship, there is a deep unity here. You have to be aware of the other person's presence and intimacy and affection and connection. The most important word is the connection, the belonging, the attachment. So when the neshama is so revealed, then what happens? Then your avoid in the world and in the guf is not just l'shem shamayim, it's da'ehu, meaning their 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 end their mitzias is not felt as a separate reality. It's just a part of Hashem. So therefore, with them and through them, you get to know Hashem. You get to experience Hashem. It's all part of avodas Hashem. Number one, you said that Yutas Kislev, heaven gave permission to spread chesedus, and that's why the czar exonerated the Balatanya. And this is the concept of heaven giving permission to reveal this part of Torah. How does this connect to Yaakov sending angels to Esau and the Magid saying, Malachim, Mamash? Well, we didn't get to that yet. We'll get to that at the end. I know Kabbalah is not Chesedus, exactly, but they're related. They're both the Pneumius of Torah. You had, for example, the Arizal. You had the Ramak. You had the Ramban, you had Rabbi Abu Lefiya, you had Rabbi Yitzchak Chayat, Rabbi Yitzchak Saginoher, Rabbi Yitzchak Chayat, Rabbi Yitzchak Saginoher, you had the great Mekobolim. Yes. And other masters of Pnimi Satayda. Were they unaware of the teachings of Chassidus? Was Chassidus a clarification of the pre-existing Kabbalah for lower, later generations? Well, the two are not... Chassidus is an elucidation of Kabbalah, there's no question about that. But also Chassidus... I think the relationship between Chassidus and Kabbalah can be understood as the relationship between mathematics and physics. Physics employs the language of mathematics, but physics is not mathematics. Know him in all your ways. How does a person know Hashem in all his ways if he's doing a sin, if he's doing an Aveda? By knowing what not to do, but he's doing the wrong thing and he hasn't learned what not to do. That's a good question. So first of all, we could know Hashem in everything, sometimes by knowing what not to do. In other words, this is also an opportunity for serving Hashem. The Gemara says, A person who abstains from a sin gets the reward like he did a mitzvah. In other words, not doing something is also doing something. It's also an act of connecting to Hashem. 
You get what I'm saying? We spoke in our Siyam of Meseches Erevin that we learned, the Siyam of Meseches Erevin, the second part. We spoke about how everything is really one Rishus, the Rishus of Hashem. Even those things Hashem says not to do, that's also a relationship. That also belongs to Hashem. Over here, Hashem says, I want you to stay away from it. We once learned Shvuas Yisroi, we gave a shir, the Bakiva says, Allah hain, right? Even the negative is a way of serving Hashem. That's number one. The Gemara says, which is a very, very surprising comment. What it means, and the Mepharshim of the Shas struggle with this. One of the explanations is, how do you know him through a sin? You don't know him through the sin. Through the sin, you distance yourself from him. But every sin, ultimately its objective is to bring you to tshuva, to bring you to a deeper repair. The Gemara says in Yuma, Pevav, that when we do tshuva out of love, our sins are transformed into mitzvahs. Because the sin's ultimate purpose is to bring you to a deeper connection. It's like a relationship when you go through a struggle and it breaks. But if you have the courage and the ability and the willingness on both sides to repair, so then the repair could sometimes bring you to a place that's much deeper than the original connection. Because the mistakes themselves turn out to be a catalyst and a learning experience to become a deeper person. Like when I made a certain, if I make a certain mistake that affected my relationship, it gets it challenges me to get to know myself and go really into a deeper place and find more authenticity in me and then come back into the connection from that place. So then what happens is I found God in the mistake itself. In other words, the ultimate divine purpose in the mistake is revealed. And that's the deep godliness, the spark of God that's embedded in the sin. So chas v'shom, a person is not allowed to go do the sin, but if the person did it because they were not in a state of dvekas, ultimately the baltruva has the courage and the power to go and transform that itself by revealing the divine purpose in it. What's the divine purpose in it? It's the divine spark that is embedded even in the sin. And what's the purpose? To bring you to a deeper place of awareness, to even a deeper de'eyu. Great question. How perhaps achieving b'chal d'rechecha brings one back and helps revert oneself to a state where kol masach l'shem shemaim also becomes b'chal d'rechecha And it becomes a continuously cycle, reinforcing, it becomes a continually cycling, reinforcing itself circle. Yes, the Bechodra Chechadeeyu redefines the Kalma Secha. Okay, some more ideas here. People are asking questions, but we're going to see as we conclude the Secha, a lot of your questions will be answered because it's all going to become, it's all going to come back full circle. Okay, so I'll see you tomorrow morning, 7.30 a.m. Be'ezer Hashem. Everybody have a beautiful, unified, integrated, inspiring and fulfilling day. And remember who you are. Bechol drachecha da'eyu. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.